Raiders fans. I did. Uh, after Nate Diaz's presser, we uh, ended around 12.30, I think. Got on the road, and I will tell everybody, I know people complain about the drive to L.A. If you're going to drive, drive in the middle of the night on a Saturday night. Because, oh, boy, I didn't, I don't, I, there was times where I didn't see another car on the road. It was fantastic. Nice. I don't think I'm ever doing the drive again unless I absolutely have to. I, uh, heard, I heard our buddy Caleb Herring talking about it uh, last week. I heard him. I, was, I think I was on the road trip with him um, to Cal, and we, we happened to be talking about it. And I was like, and he said he's an early morning driver to L.A. because he's from Inland Empire area. Sure. And uh, I'm like, no. Nah, that's, that, that's your only solution now is to drive at freaking 2 in the morning. Yes, craziness. If, if you if that's an option, yeah. do it. I'm telling you, yeah. T-Mobile Arena from from leaving my parking spot because I so I, I rented a car before the UFC event and dropped it off down there in LA and then flew home. But from out of my parking spot with traffic to get onto the 15, by the way, still at 12:30 to LAX, three hours 23 minutes. Wow. And you don't drive that fast. You drive kind of fast. I was you driving drive, fast that night. You don't drive, <laughs> but, you don't drive but that yes, fast. But uh, it was great. It's fantastic. It was that's that is highly recommended to everybody. Because I know everybody dr- makes that you know decision, drive or fly. Drive in the middle of the night. It was great. What was the crowd like? Good. Uh, I mean, I, I saw the fight videos, so I guess not good everywhere. Uh, there was some... the one the one fight video where the uh, short woman got like two lefts of the face. Sure. Those were all Raiders fans. Yeah. <laughs> Just. Fighting each other. But then there's the other one where in the background you just see a guy getting arrested. Or I guess we should say detained. We don't know if he was arrested. And all he was wearing was boxers and one sock, I think. Oh, man. I I, I didn't understand what he did. I'd want to know the backstory. I would love to be able to find out what exactly happened. But he had no clothes and no jersey or anything. Just boxers and a sock. And then, of course, the game, great game. You know, good, good atmosphere. Fun way to start the year. And obviously some... Some good storylines coming out of it, but uh, I thought successful weekend all around in terms of just in terms of you know the game. Obviously, the Raiders lost, but uh, yeah, I thought you know seeing a couple sporting events and NFL's back and uh, got to watch the early games at SoFi. Uh, it was fun and so, like brief side notes. Uh, I know there was a reference we were just listening to coming in, uh, making fun of uh, Mike McCarthy who said he couldn't. There was a, a timing decision; he couldn't find the clock at SoFi. True. It's tough. There was t- certain times in the game where everybody's in the press box like, how much time is left? Where's the clock in this place? Very small down in the corner. And the other one, which we just learned for this week, because remember, locker room's open for the first time. Do you remember, you might not, when John Gruden complained about the locker room at SoFi, uh-huh. and he was like, that it was the a big, locker room it was, was a, weird. It was a big maze. And we went in there for the first time, and I take back everything I said making fun of John Gruden that day, because, wow, it is a mess. An absolute mess to navigate the locker rooms in there. It is funny with McCarthy, though, because I saw him. He kept looking up at the scoreboard repeatedly. Yeah. It is, something you, it, it, it is something you should think about before the game, right? Yes. But but you'd also... Like, you should be out on the field, and maybe you forget because there's so much going on, but you... I do, I do know uh, I don't matter. Sure. But, like, the first couple of plays... UNLV and Cal had never been at that Memorial Stadium. And I was like, where is the play clock? And it really wasn't that hidden, but I just couldn't find it. But all coaches, I mean, you know, someone either you have to find it or someone has to scout it out for you if it's going to be a little bit confusing. We're, we're I, don't remember, so I don't remember having trouble finding it so far, but I was also Weird. sitting way the hell upstairs yeah. when I went to a game, so maybe it's right in front of me, but if you're down in the field, you're like, where is it? It's super weird. It, it, once, we, once you find it, you're like, oh, that's where it is. Right. But it, it's weird to find. Um, and what... Since I didn't talk to you about this, did you 
you, I'm sure you 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 know got transportation to the game, but if if you walk from campus to the stadium, I'd like to know uh, how how the cardio held up because I saw people like really hands on knees huffing and puffing last time I went to a Cal game because the campus is down below the stadium mm-hmm. and you walk up to it. Yep, people were struggling. It was great. So. The broadcast team gets to go early because we've got our own like minivan. Sure. So we drove. Okay. But I absolutely commented on uh, watching all of the co-eds. And a lot, it was mostly females who were yeah. walking in. And I'm like, man, you can't be chubby on this campus. This yeah. is a workout. Like, yeah. I was so happy. Like, I I mean, back in you know, 18 to 22 years old, could I do it? Of course I could. Sure. But if, like, mm-hmm. I was some fat-ass professor having a walk anywhere, I'd be like, this is... Unbelievable, cardio wise, uh, cardio wise, cardio wise. But it's that whole area. Uh, it's that whole area. Like even like uh, it's the same thing. You walk around San Francisco and, and go into USF last sure. year for a basketball game. I'm like, man, you got to walk uphill. It seems like it's all uphill. Well, USF is on the hilltop, but yeah, yeah from Cal because everybody's drinking at the bars down on campus or like the, the the neighborhood area is down at the bottom of the hill, and then you walk, and you see just drunk people just really struggling with the hills. It's one of yeah. my favorite things about going to games at Cal. That yeah, was cool. It was a cool campus too. Yeah, like you go to certain campuses and you're like, "This is what campus life is like." Yeah, I enjoy Cal a lot. It was a, it was a neat school. So we'll get to the Raiders in about ten minutes. Last night's game was very interesting. Oof. Your guy, and he really is your guy. You really liked meeting uh, Nathaniel Hackett. I know you got to talk to him a couple times uh, in Indy, right around yeah. the combine. Good and, shots together, and you and you swore by him. I don't know if you're going to say that part. You, <laughs> just, okay. you you swore by him, and last night he. He and the staff just got discombobulated. And I heard a couple of things coming in. Uh, one, Canty uh, and Carlin, you were kind of snapping in here Ugh. at what they were saying, basically suggesting that Hackett didn't know what was going on or what happened down the stretch. Yeah, yeah he said going into that play, we had just taken a sack, which two plays earlier they had. That's what he was referring to because uh, it threw off. If you remember the way they were marching down the field, it looked like no problem they were going to get there. Now, I was losing it a little bit because they were – and, and I hate that teams do this, but what if you need two possessions? Mm-hmm. I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. You start with four, and even Peyton Manning was like, no, nah, you want to take your time, you want to run it down, and then make sure that the field goal comes at the end. Sure, that's ideal, but you have to make sure you get there. Can I can I throw in real quick, and I would love to ask Peyton Manning this, when the quarterback on the other side sucks, <laughs> do you really have to run down the clock? Fair. I mean, do it do it with, with, you know, be reasonable about it, but is there like a gigantic fear to scoring with a little pace at a minute and a half left and handing it over to Geno Smith. Well, come on. And I, I take your point, but my, my point is more, yeah, once you get to like the 30 and you know you're going to have a field goal, yes, try to run as much clock as you can. That's right. fine. Right. The, but when you're in your own territory, what if, you, what if it fails? What if the drive fails? As it did, yep. you still have your three timeouts. You can get a stop, get the ball back again. You can get a second possession uh-huh. out of it. Yep. You don't put all your eggs in the we're going to score here basket. Because I know that's the plan, that's ideal, but it's not always going to happen. And so they take all the time in the world, run it down to the two-minute warning. They're still taking time. and it, But it did look like first down, first down, first down. And then I think they thought, all right, let's get more yards. And they took a sack on the first down play. And that threw the entire four-down series off is what Hackett was referring to. He, he said, we had just taken a sack. And they said, no, you just gained yards on the last play. Yeah, two plays earlier, they had taken a sack. That's what he was referring to. Right. He said we had just taken it. doesn't mean the play before. Right. So that's what he was referring to. So two guys to. accusing, two radio people, accusing a coach of not paying attention to the game, not watching the game, weren't listening. <laughs> right. 
Exactly. Which or, is like the chief skill of radio people is actually to listen to each other and yeah, audio. Sure. So good job, fellas, sure. while you're all patting yourselves on the back, trying to be tough guys and bang on the coach. And listen, I have a lot of doubts about Hackett, and I hate the decision Ooh. at the end on fourth and five. You, you know me in field goals. I friggin' hate them. Go for it on fourth down. Don't kick 60-yard field goals. 64-yarder? Isn't the number on this in recent times like two of 29? Yes. It's that is absurd. It's absurd. You have fourth and five. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna hit this theme throughout the show. I know Miles Simmons said this last night. We're gonna hit it with him, Miles from PFT. You're paying a guy to be one of the guys. It's getting a little bit short of three hundred million dollars. If you can't get a fourth and five, and your other option is a sixty-four yarder, and you know this one, I'm joking here, but like you're not in Denver. It's not altitude. The air is heavier in Seattle. You're on the road. Well, it's also, not always going to be great kicking dish and stop with the freaking 64 yarders. And, and, and part of it is, and I know that they do this, and look, it's it's his first game as a head coach. And it is very different being a head coach than it is being a coordinator. And I think the thought process, now look, he blew it. And he said today, yep. if I had to do it over, I would have gone. Of course. The thought process in his mind, because they do this every game, right? You send the kicker out early. If you go to warm-ups real early at Allegiant Stadium, you'll see this. Both teams do it. Send your kicker out. He kicks, goes through the warm-ups, goes through the motions. Then you go over and say, hey, how how comfortable or how long are you comfortable from today? Based on how you're feeling, how your warm-ups went, how the conditions are, all those things. How the field conditions are, everything. Maybe there's a rough spot in one part of the grass. Like, ah, we're not good from here. We're better from here. Whatever. And it sounds like what McManus told him was 65. And that hit in his mind, he's like, all right. If we get to the 48, we're good. And so in his mind, he's kind of playing that. And then they get there, and he's like, all right, we're cool from here. But no, like it's just so many moving pieces. And obviously, he ran the clock down on the before the fourth down play to fool Seattle into thinking they're going to go for it so that they could then kick it but not have time to leave on the clock. Like there's all these moving pieces are happening. We get that. But in the moment, I think everybody kind of understood this is silly. This is a really, really bad decision. And today Hackett said it, which is good. Yeah. Like, hey, made a mistake. Wouldn't do that again. But that, it was an obvious one. And you would hope it's his first game as a coach. Now, you can also look back and say, hey, man, look, Denver dominated that game. A normal circumstance, Denver mm-hmm. won that game by two touchdowns. They fumbled twice at the one-yard line. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Now, Seattle got stopped as well. But you, it, you, it just doesn't happen where those things take place. I, like, I, did Seattle get a first down in the second half? It was it was nuts how much Denver dominated that game. So I think you play that game 100 times. They win 96, 97 times. That's fine. Fluky that it goes this way and they lose. But you you can't allow that to happen. You can't let a coaching decision that bad impact a game, uh, especially your first game, especially a game you're absolutely supposed to win. Um, all those things are true. But good, I suppose, at least the silver lining for Hackett to come out and say today and say, look, I messed that up. I need to be better. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. So Raiders lose on Sunday. Tough divisional game. They stayed in it in spite of tons of mistakes, problems on the offensive line. They lose 24-19. And now we start examining what happened. 
And most of these questions go back to the preseason. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. We'll get into ball distribution because, you know, Adam's had a monster game. Not as many targets out there for Renfro and Waller. But guess what? That's something else we talked about. They're in the offseason. The O-line and Carr were the biggest stories. And yep. I was curious today to hear what Lombardi was available, right? Yeah. O-coordinator? Uh-huh. Because I heard McDaniels yesterday really didn't slam anyone I, I on the offensive line. I thought the... I thought the most impactful thing that McDaniel said repeatedly was get the ball out faster, which means without saying Derek Carr, it's Derek Carr. Get the ball out faster. He said it like four times in multiple bites. And that that uh you know PFF put out a chart today um, that you know I don't it, some of the stuff is very very difficult to interpret, but essentially they put out a chart of every quarterback in the league, the sacks they took this weekend, and how much how many of them were on the offensive line, how many were on the quarterback. And what the quarterbacks did to avoid sacks. So, like, Justin Herbert wasn't sacked at all. And they gave a lot of credit to him for avoiding sacks when there was pressure. Nine pressures, uh, I believe, between Jones and Crosby, no sacks. And a lot of that was Herbert negotiating the pocket, moving around. That's the bottom right of the chart. The top left, the quarterbacks that caused their offensive line sacks, Derek Carr was the worst in the league this weekend. It's one game, very okay, short well, sample size. That is one of the questions we had. And, you know, analytics helps you out. With that, listen to Lombardi here talk about the play of the offensive line. I think for a lot of people are going to be like, wait, what is he talking about? You know, I thought those guys competed really hard. They play, they pass protected well. Um, they fought hard in the running game. Definitely not an easy task going against Bosa and Mack in that front. Very good, very talented. Um, but they did a good job. You know, they anchored, they punched. Assignment-wise, they were very clean. Um, they fought hard for 60 minutes and they competed, which I thought they would do, and they did. So very pleased with the offensive line and all seven guys who played very pleased with the offensive line and all seven guys that play. When I was watching that, I knew you were down there. I was watching it. I was like, wow. Okay. Uh, that's that's quite a statement when the two edge guys had 16 hurries, 10 quarterback hits, and what, four and a half sacks combined, Bosa and Mac. Yeah, but it's it's. I mean, I'm laughing right now because yeah. unbeknownst to us, because it came out, what, 10 minutes after the presser, and I don't know this for sure because I don't I can't see behind the walls. But around that exact same time, they were signing a new center. <laughs> and had a, a guard in for a visit at the exact same time he's saying yeah, right. they were all great. Listen, on one hand, I, I don't blame them for not trying to fan flames of panic. Sure. So they're trying to stay a united front here. And McDaniels yeah. was very positive about the offensive line. Now the other thing is this whole Hey, they rotated during the preseason. They rotated again. They got seven guys. And I know Vinny asked a question. Like, people are like, but don't you want five that will play most of the time? Five, not seven. Five. Like, if you had a good offensive line, you'd have five that played most of the time, right? No, I think at the end of the day, I think we're trying to figure out who, what's the best thing for the team to win. And I think, like Coach said, the seven guys deserve to play, not because of them being out there practicing. Oops. There was Mick forgot the company line for a second, right? You noticed that too, right? <laughs> of course. What was he going to say? He was going to say you're trying to figure out what who plays the best, who works the best together. We're trying to figure which out is, the best. The, we're is, trying to figure out the best combination. Not is, all seven guys deserve playing time, which is what they've said the last two which days. Which is so obvious. That's what they're. Of course, that's what they're doing. That's what they should be doing. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Like this is the thing. You you want to get mad at what they're saying because it's so ridiculous, but they're not. They're not incompetent. They know what they're doing. They're just not saying what they're doing. 
And so that that's why it is frustrating as a fan and as media to kind of interpret and say what they're doing. But the problem is Mick Lombardi almost said what they're actually doing, and he actually almost said what they're supposed to be doing, which is what they are doing. It's crazy. No, I think at the end of the day, I think we're trying to figure out who what's the best thing for the team to win. And I think, like Coach said, the seven guys deserve to play, not because of them being out there at practice, but because they, they performed well, not just in the preseason games. I think you guys all saw that, but also up on the practice field. And we thought we thought that, you know what, getting all those guys out there to try and establish some type of consistency by playing all of them like we do in practice, so nothing they're not used to. They've all got some reps in practice evenly, and they got that in the game, which was uh, obviously beneficial, and they played they played very well. Did anyone actually grade out well on the line? Yeah, Dylan Parham. He got in for what? Less than 25 plays? Yeah, and uh, also Jermaine Illuminor actually graded which, out fairly Which seems well. crazy, doesn't it? If the, both of the edge guys for the Chargers got so much action in the backfield. Yeah, but I mean, again, a lot of it, look, six sacks, right? Go back, think about it. Um, the Devontae Adams one was a sack. That, that's one of the sacks. It's a Devontae Adams trick play. May or may or not have been sniffed out by a media member. Uh, that play was a sack. So so that's not on them. And by the way, if you watch the play, that sack is on one person. Offensive lineman Darren Waller, who for some reason just decided not to block. I don't know why. Um, so that that play was on, on Waller to me. Uh, two of the sacks pretty clearly were coverage sacks. Uh, Derek Carr holding the ball, ball a long time. Probably should have thrown them away. Um but that that was what it was. I mean, they you know he didn't, and he took the sacks. Uh, one, the edge rushers both got there, but Carr had plenty of room to step up in the pocket, and then two were just really really poorly blocked. So like, there's an, what I'm saying is there's enough credit to go around. I, I think Derek Carr <laughs> deserves a lot of the credit, or there's a lot of the blame. blame yeah. I think the offensive linemen deserve quite a bit of blame. Um, there's plenty of blame to go around, and also the you know focusing on one guy probably an issue. Uh, for right now in terms of protections because you know, instead of going through progressions, you're just kind of waiting for one guy to break open. So all those things are to blame, and it's the first game. I think they're going to correct a lot of things. They're going to figure it out in a lot of places. As we mentioned, they're bringing guys in today. They're trying to figure this out. So don't overreact to one game. There was some questions, and you know there was a lot of sacks that – or excuse me, a lot of pressures that weren't sacks. The Chargers had a ton of pressures, uh, but they're going to. That's That's what they are. They brought in – Khalil Mack to pair with Joey Bosa to be one of the best pass rushing duos in the league, and you saw it. Tomorrow we're on the road in Summerlin at Rampart in the Sportsbook. One of the great specials during football season, you make a $50 parlay card wager at the Racing Sportsbook during the football season. You'll get 5 bucks off the Marketplace Buffet. By the way, a lot of buffets never came back. They've got it going at Rampart. Or, as Dwayne Colucci will tell you, he'll get you lunch. So you get one of the following items with that $50 parlay Card uh, bet, you get a cheeseburger, two hot dogs and chips, or chicken strips. And, you know, as we said many times now, with big chicken raging out of control, it's like getting a bowl of caviar, isn't it? So great giveaways at the Rampart. We'll be out there tomorrow from 3 to 6. So come see us in Summerlin with Cofield and company on the road. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Every game is a learning opportunity. Obviously, you want to win more than you lose, but it's a chance to learn. And there's lessons learned from last week's game. There'll be lessons learned from this week's game. It's the beginning of the season. The biggest thing is a race to improve. And that's all we're going to try to do and just go day by day and just try to improve. But the overreaction, I'm miserable whether we win or lose, so it doesn't matter. I mean, like... Now... 
Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Wow, that sounds like a future company member on Cofield and Company. True. Adam and I are miserable no matter what kind of show we do or how the day has gone. A hundred percent. Dissatisfied with whatever happened. I, I like I've noticed <laughs> I've noticed a couple Patrick times. Graham, I love it. Two different times this week, somebody has asked me if I'm mad at them. Yeah. I'm like, no, why? Like you just seem like you're like grumpy. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> that's what I am. Football season will do that to you, man. Of Especially week one. Uh, even when you win, you're trying to correct things, and the Raiders have a lot to correct. Let's talk some football with one of the uh, all-time great receivers in Pac-12 history from Arizona State. Of course, coached in college football, was a Raider, was a longtime NFL player. Derek Hagan, former Raiders receiver, nice enough to give Stephen Adam a couple of minutes here on ESPN Las Vegas. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great, man. How you guys doing today? We're good. You know, before we get to the Raiders, and we'll hit some NFL topics and maybe even a little college football, did you get a gander at last night's game between the Seahawks and the Broncos and how the execution went down the stretch, running down the clock, and then missing a 64-yarder? Man, that, uh, you know, obviously being a uh, a coach myself, man, I don't understand what they was thinking on Denver's side. Uh, when, you, when you look at it, you bring in a guy like Russell Wilson, man, and he's got, you know, all the tools in the world to be able to get the job done, and that's that's what they're looking looking to do in the AFC West. And, and you know, they they uh, put the put the game on the line, you know, with their kicker, you know, trying to make a 64-yard kick, and that's, that's tough. And I think I was reading that, that, uh, what is he one for eight on, on his last kicks over 60 yards. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm not pretty sure if I want to put the hands, my kickers, uh, hands towards the end of the game, I'd rather give it to Russell Wilson and, and, and let him cook. Yeah. I, and I think in, in retrospect, we're all feeling that same way. And, and I know you see things kind of through that perspective now as a, as you know, somebody who's coached, but when you're playing, how quickly can a locker room kind of lose faith in a coach? I mean, it's one game. We understand that it's his first game. But how quickly can the locker room just be like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing? Uh, I don't think that'll happen that fast, man. I think, uh, uh, you know, the coach was putting him in the right situation, obviously, to go out there and execute, uh, you know, towards the end of the game. I think, uh, you know, it's all a, a learning curve from, his, from for himself. You know, first time being a head coach, uh, now, now, you know, you got to uh, make those type of tough decisions towards the end of the game. And sometimes you may not even be thinking about that. So, this is uh, uh, things you try to work on, even in the preseason. Uh, uh, like I said, things happen so fast, and you know he decided to put his, put the uh, uh, the ball in his uh, uh, kicker's hands, and uh, you know obviously, unfortunately, he missed. If, if he would have made the kick, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Well, that was a disappointing loss for Denver. Uh, the Packers had a disappointing loss this week. Hey, look, we mentioned one of the greatest receivers in Pac-12 history. You're only 37. Could could you still go play for the Packers? They need some help out there, man. Man, you know what? If I was if I used to, if I train like I used to, I think uh, I probably got one good route in me left. But <laughs> other than that, man, these guys they, they're moving around pretty quick out there. So I'll leave it to all those young guys now. What's it like when you first come into the NFL? You know, put yourself uh, you know back in your early days and the position of Christian Watson and Robio Dubs is you know they had a rough game and then Rodgers really didn't pull any punches afterwards. He's like, hey, we'll be a little bit patient, but at some point, uh, this is big boy football time. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, the biggest thing is you gotta be able to be able to show up each and every day. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, drop passes, those things are going to happen. But I think where where Rodgers and stuff is a. Uh, very frustrated at is, is just the mental mistakes that's going on. You know, uh, playing wide receiver, everything, uh, you know, has to be precise. You have to be, you know, at the right depth, the right yardage. You got to be able to get out of your break. Uh, and, and you got to be able to use your leverage, uh, you know, the right way. And I think uh, 
with with Rogers, like I said, he's just talking about being frustrated with guys not knowing what they're doing, and 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 now at that level, you're you're getting paid to to perform, and and the one thing you got to understand to be able to keep your job is you got to know what to do, and if you don't know what to do, you're not going to be on the field, and and the quarterback's not going to have the trust in you to throw you the ball. So, I think those guys are on a thin leash. Uh, he's not going to wait that long because you know the Packers, you know, obviously Rogers is used to winning year in and year out, and now. Uh, uh, it's basically uh, for him starting all over. Obviously, using losing uh, Devontae Adams to the Raiders and 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 really not having nobody to replace him. So uh, it's going to be some growing pains. But he's not not ready to wait because you know obviously he's thirty seven, thirty eight years old and he's he's trying to win now. So when you watch a receiving core that might not be you know traditionally as strong as it's been, and they get off to a rough start, do you think it's on the receivers or do you think it's on the quarterback? Because we had. Four great quarterbacks have to work uh, on Sunday and Monday, Sunday, uh, with guy, you know, a crew that wasn't what they used to have. Pat Mahomes looked fine, right? His group is, right. is pretty good. Rodgers struggled. Justin Herbert looked fine. Dak Prescott struggled big time with C.D. Lamb and then some guys who don't have a lot of experience. So who is it on, the quarterback or the receivers? I think it's both. You know, uh, uh, you, you know, you really got to be able to have that uh, uh, rapport. You got to be on the same page. and. And you can tell the guys that are on the same page early on, and you can tell which teams aren't. And I think that just that just comes over time with reps. Uh, you know, like you're talking about the Cowboys. You know, obviously they're trying to, uh, you know, really find a number one receiver. You know, they they say Ceedee Lamb, but you're trying to thrust this guy into that number one role. And and now, uh, you know, week in and week out, he's going to be going against the number one corner instead of number three or four corner that he was going against. You know, a season ago when they had Amari Cooper. Um, so. It's all growing pains that every team has to deal with. You know, obviously, uh, uh, being in AFC West is tough. Uh, um, you know, having a great quarterback like, uh, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, he's able to make that adjustment, uh, you know, not having Tyreek Hill. But uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, Andy Reid is, is, you know, he's pretty good at dialing up plays, him and Eric Bieniemy, uh They understand uh, how to put uh, Mahomes in the right situation to get other guys involved, you know, even, even though guys are young. But, you know, you just got to go out there and execute. Derek Hagan with a former NFL player, star receiver at Arizona State. He's been a coach recently in college football. When people come up to you or you introduce yourself to people as an NFL player, who do you ID yourself? Like, what team do you tie yourself to? <laughs> man, I, you know what? What's funny is I, I, you know, obviously growing up in Southern California, man, I was always a, a, a Raider. Okay. You know, that's, that's the silver and black, man. It's, it's, it's in my blood uh, growing up a Raider fan when, you know, they played in the Coliseum uh, back in the day and, and, that's my team, man. It was a dream come true, uh, you know, being able to put that uh, silver and black on and, and, and playing for that organization and, and leaving my mark. And, you know, uh, uh, now watching watching these guys and rooting for these guys uh, day in and day out, you know, there's nothing better than it. By the way, when people ask you where you're from, do you say L.A. or Palmdale? I say Palmdale. Yeah, man. Right. I'm not from L.A. I'm from Palmdale. There you go. Because <laughs> well, a, you know, a lot of people, when uh, when PG3, when Paul George got traded to the Clippers, were like, oh, yeah, he's going back home to L.A. And I'm like, yeah, Palm, and Palmdale's in the area, but it's like a good distance away. Right. You know, it's about 45 minutes north of L.A. You know, uh-huh. you just got to get on that 14 freeway, and, uh, you know, you'll hit Palmdale from there. You'll be My all right. Lord. My Lord. It, it, I've uh, driven through Palmdale getting rerouted to go out to, like, the valley and, uh, and north of there to Ventura County, and I was like, this is way the hell out here. It's way the hell out. <laughs> it is. It's not too far, man. We <laughs> had that problem uh, 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 back in the day, uh, you know, when college scouts didn't want to come out to Palmdale and really recruit. Uh, oh, no. Now they're getting some, uh, some great players coming out of there. All right, so let's talk Raiders. Uh, they were in the game. Obviously, they did not handle pressure from 
Bosa and Mac very well. What did you see in the game? What was the biggest issue? Uh, you know, I think just, you know, I think protection. You know, I think, uh, you know, obviously they, they, they got the, uh, the receiving core. But, uh, you know, just looking at Carr, you know, obviously he needs time. Um, you know, when you, when you line up in, in three and four and five wide sets, uh, you know, obviously the ball has to come out quick. And, and just looking at it, you know, this is not a uh, top-notch offensive line. And, and you know, you really got to be able to soar that thing, fix that thing up front. And, you know, if you're going to do that, especially playing the Chargers with, with Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa, you know, coming off the edge, uh, you know, you got to get some help on the edges. You know, I thought, uh, you know, they probably could have used uh, Jacobs a little more as far as the chip and chip in the edge and, and, and then getting out on his pass route. But you can't have uh, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa have, have uh, you know, free runs at, at Derek Carr because obviously he's not a threat running the ball. You know, he's not going to take off and run once he steps up in the pocket. So, you know, these guys are rushing forward all day and they're, they're able to get to him. So, it starts up front, you know. That's 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 where where it starts at and, and ends at is up front with the old line. So obviously, Devonta Adams debuts with a massive game: seventeen targets, ten catches, one forty-one and a touchdown. It was incredible. Um, I, you know, watching him from afar uh, as part of the Packers and working with Aaron Rodgers, you see that he's great. Like, the guy's awesome. But watching him every day in practice, it's just it's stunning how good the guy is. Like for a receiver, is, is does he? Do you appreciate him being on like a different level, or is it just like yeah, he's good? But it's not like a different kind of guy. Well, no, he's he's hands down the, the best receiver <laughs> in the league. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's anybody close to him. Um, you know, obviously, I watch uh, clips and film here and there, but it, it all starts in practice. I, I think it's 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 a work of nature. It's it's, it's his craft. It's his, his technique. Uh, the time that he puts in, and you know, nobody can cover the guy one on one. You know, obviously, you just said it. He got targeted seventeen times, so you know, DC's uh, 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 looking for him. Um, which is a good thing, you know, having 10 catches. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, they still did win the game, even though the uh, the offense was somewhat productive. Um, um, you know, he's going to continue to uh, get targeted week in and week out, and, and hopefully, you know, it, it translates to uh, wins at the end of the day. Did you ever feel like you got targeted too much at Arizona State, or you were just so <laughs> good you're like, get me the ball? No, nah, it was just throwing me the damn ball, man. That's, that's, that's it. It don't matter if I got two guys or three guys on me. It's, it's just get it to me. And, and you know, that, that's Adams. You got to be able to get it to him, even though, uh, uh, you know, Waller and, and, and Hunter Renfro are, are in the lineup. You know, he didn't get targeted that many times. I think Renfro only had, what, maybe three catches against the Chargers. And, and you know, over the last uh, few years, he's been torching the Chargers. So um, it's just, just one of those deals uh, uh, where they got to go back to the drawing board, figure out exactly – uh, you know, what type of offense they are. Who is Josh McDaniels? What are we going to do week in and week out? Are we a, uh, you know, 30, 40, uh, 50 times a game throwing a ball? Or are we going to uh, uh, even this thing out with some runs? Because, you know, they weren't able to establish the run either in that game. Three catches, 21 yards for Renfro. His first target came at 355 remaining in the third quarter. It's oh, pretty, wow. uh, pretty baffling uh, to watch that go on. I, I guess that, that question is, yeah, you're a guy that was targeted a ton in college. Did you ever have other guys – Coming at you like, man, why are you getting the ball all the time? Or did everybody just know, like, hey, if you're that good, you're going to get that many targets? Well, everybody just knew. You know, yeah. if, if you're the guy, uh, you know, obviously quarterback's going to be looking for you. You know, he, he's got that, that trust that trust factor. I'm not saying he doesn't trust Renfro or uh, a Wall. Of course he does. You know, Wall has had a couple thousand-yard seasons, and obviously uh, Renfro with his breakout season a year ago. But, you know, I think uh, when you look at it, it's just, you know, Devontae Adams, he's just on another level. I'm surprised, you know, the Chargers weren't weren't double teaming him, you know, which is which is rare to see. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, he had a dominant game, but 
you just you want to see that week in and week out. Hopefully that just translates to W's for, for the Raiders. Are the Chargers better than the Chiefs? No. No. Not not even close. I not even close. Not it's not not even close. It's it's uh, you know, I think the Chargers have a, have a great offense, you know, obviously uh, uh, with Herbert, you know, with the things that he does uh, throwing the ball. But when you look at that game, it, 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 it was like, you know, he was just, you know, sitting in the pocket, you know, for about two weeks. And, he, you know, it's almost like he went in the game untouched, you know, no sacks, no interceptions. Uh, you know, Raiders weren't able to create any uh, pass rush up front, especially when you bring in a guy like uh, Chandler Jones and obviously you got uh, Crosby uh, on the other end. You know, they weren't able to generate – uh, much pressure at all on Herbert, so pretty much had had a uh, you know field day uh, on, on Sunday. So they got some things to, to fix, but I don't I don't think they're on the same level as the uh, uh, Chiefs as of now. Thirty three first downs for the Chiefs on Sunday. That was that was crazy. I I, I do want to go back one quick. Did you see the move Devontae put on um, on Asante Samuel? What was the move? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a I mean, it's uh, that, been... route, that route went viral, man. Yeah. I, everybody's talking about that. That's uh, uh, I haven't seen that type of move uh, at the top of a. Uh, I'm not sure if he was running the post out or a uh, post corner, but what he did at the top, uh, being being able to put on the brakes and 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 drop his hips, drop his weight, and come out of that thing full speed, man. That was a thing of beauty. And then also, you know, getting that getting that yardage, that yak, that run after catch. Uh, that's what you love to see. He got him again on the same play. I'm, I'm going to ask like a like a childlike question, I guess. But what what does it feel like to do something like that to a corner? Man, well, the first thing is you better catch the damn ball if you beat him that bad. You got you got to you got to finish the catch because I, I I know there's been a few times you know I, I I ran a route you know similar to that and started laughing in the middle of the route. But you got to make sure you catch the catch the ball first, and then you can point at the corner and just clown him and keep going up the field. So it feels good. Uh, when you uh, do something of that nature. Derek Higgins with us. Played in the NFL, played at Arizona State, a Raider as well. Uh, you got more than a few years under your belt as a college coach. What are receivers like now as compared to, say, 20 years ago when you were first getting to college? What are they like now coming out of high school? I would assume they're more advanced because high schools are throwing more. Yeah, it's, it's you know, they're, they're a lot more polished, uh, which, which is good to see. You know, it's, uh, you know, you see a lot of these kids now, uh, you know, obviously some, some kids got trainers, other kids got coaches, and, and they're uh, actually, you know, putting in that work. Uh, football has completely changed from a run-first league to a pass-first. So everybody, every kid wants to be pretty much a quarterback and a wide receiver now, which is, which is uh, good to see. You see all these, uh, you know, seven-on-seven camps and, you know, kids flying across the country to play in these tournaments. And, and um, you know, they're putting in that work. In, and now you see the next generation of kids uh, coming through the system that's, that's pretty polished. And it makes it a little easier on, on, you know, myself when I'm out, you know, recruiting and watching kids uh, really trying to figure out exactly what I'm looking for and, and what we have to work on. But uh, I love a kid that's polished and ready to go right away. Did you feel like you had a good feel for – like who has it, who doesn't, especially because, listen, you coached at FBS, you coached at FCS. A lot of times the FCS guys, a lot of the difference is, you know, they're 5'11", they're six foot. they could be smaller as opposed to 6'3", six, 6'4", six, in FBS. Right, you know, everything's, you know, it's, it's just a league. You know, some kids get overlooked and some kids have better opportunities than others. You know, at the end of the day, as a coach, is it's just all about developing, you know, the, the, the kid. You know, you got to be able uh, – uh, to put the kid through through the rigors and, and really teach them understand uh, to, to 
understand really how to work. You know, that's what it comes down to. Uh, um, you know, it, it's going to take some time. You know, I tell my guys now, you're not going to get better uh, at everything in one day. So we try to work on certain things uh, either each day or every other day that we know that we can get better at. And eventually over time, we hope we can develop that craft where you're going to be able to take it to the next level on game day. And to me, it's just all about development, whether you're at the FBS or the FCS, because uh, like I said, now you see kids that are at the FCS level and they end up, you know, having thousand yards receiving. And next thing you know, you know, you got other coaches from the FBS level that want that kid because yeah. they see him doing some great things at, at a smaller level. So it's just all about development for me. Derek, we appreciate it. Thank you for hopping on with us. Glad you're doing well. And we definitely want you on later in the season if you have some time for us. That was a great breakdown. Man, anytime, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, there man. is Derek Hagan. Stud, stud receiver. Got about seven years in the NFL, Arizona State, Palmdale guy. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about it. We're going to play a bite later on from Colin Cowherd where he was talking about uh, Rodgers and his receivers, and his main point was about being patient. But he also threw out there, I thought, kind of a lame deal. I don't know. Maybe he's right. He was talking about Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, and it's like they played small school football. They never dealt with crowds like this. Like, does that really matter if, you know, the two best receivers in football are who? Fresno State's Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington. Does it maybe maybe it matters at the beginning of the year, beginning of your career? But I, I thought it was a little, you know, kind of dissing. Like Nevada had some pretty good receivers last year, and North Dakota State's got a pretty good football tradition. I don't think it's about the size of the school that they struggled in game number one. Today's Cofield and Company is presented by Ellis Island Casino, home of Oktoberfest on September 24th from 5 to 8 p.m. With contests, unlimited Ellis Island beer for three hours, souvenir gifts, and Oktoberfest bites. Fourth and six, for me, during that time, we had been just moving it slightly. Uh, they weren't moving it with big chunks. I think we had just given up a sack right before that. Uh, so wanted to be sure that we took a chance when we had a chance. And I felt confident in, in, in him. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. So a lot of people getting on uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Tries the field goal, fourth and five, instead of going for it. Wastes a lot of time, you know, draining down the clock. And 64-yarder is just, it is ridiculous. So that was last night, and people are getting on him. We got to play what he said today, because I, I think a lot of sports radio people, you know, don't have a hold of this yet, because he just said a little while ago, this was Hackett. Rarely do NFL coaches do this. They probably should if they do it the right way. Don't look weak when you do it. But Hackett came out and was like, yeah, you know, we looked at it. Maybe that wasn't the way to go. Looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, just not, not you know, one of those things. You look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, but in that situation, we had a plan. I mean, we had a plan. We knew that the 46 was the mark. Uh, we were third and 15, I think, third and 13. I'm more upset about that play before it to lose yards, to be able to, you know, getting that there would have definitely uh, been better to be able to call that same play and get extra yards. But um, he dumps it out to Javante. Javante makes a move, goes a lot farther than I think we had anticipated. We were expecting to go for it on fourth down. And then you hit the mark. I hate that. The mark. First of all, that mark is ridiculous. The 45 or 46. I know. 
I don't care what the, the the kicker tells you about a 62 or 63 yarder or 64 in this case. That's stupid. But don't they? You know, when they when you're have like a game winning drive potentially, they put that line on the field that says you're in field goal range. So if if you get there, then you're yeah. kicking, right? I mean, you got to consider what's going on in the game. You have been moving it. You did the the play he referenced was actually a couple of plays before. So there's Hackett. It's a big break for the Raiders because the Broncos were the better team last night, especially in the in the second half. Uh, real quick, I wanted to get something in from UFC before the end of the hour. You sent out a tweet. What was it? Something about the Brits and the Americans, and it went viral. And who'd you insult? Nobody. This is the most insane thing I've ever experienced, and it's actually ruined my weekend in a way because you know how obsessed I am with Twitter. I could not see anything anybody tweeted about Raiders or the game I was at or like any responses. <laughs> My Twitter was out of control, and it had nothing to do with me. I said, because this was what happened, the UFC, very questionably in my opinion, but this I didn't tweet this, they started the broadcast with like a moment of silence for Queen Elizabeth. So that was shown in the arena. That didn't go over well. So It, it wasn't the, handled well the, by UFC so fans. On TV, children. Right, but on TV, I think the, the mics are muted, so you don't hear it. But in the arena, yeah. we heard the loud boos followed by the USA chant. So as I tweeted, UFC pay- UFC pay-per-view broadcast starts off with a moment of silence in remembrance of Queen Elizabeth, which is met by booze and then a USA chant. That's it. No opinion, no thought, no no commentary, nothing. I started a new revolutionary war. It is nuts. It is now, you know, for those that are on Twitter, this is an insane amount. Like, you know, 10 likes, retweets kind of things is like as normal tweet for that. That's nothing. 2,500 retweets, 26,000 likes, and almost 1,000 replies. And most of them are British people and American people arguing about how bad respective countries are. And one of my friends that is from the UK uh, immediately said, hey, how quickly is somebody going to mention school shootings in that tweet? He's like, that's all we talk about in England. Yep. And it was almost immediately. You know, I didn't even know what tweet you were talking about because I thought it was something completely different. I read your tweet and it was, I thought it was innocuous. I didn't know it got that kind of reaction. And you're right. Like within four comments, something about school shootings in the U.S. How many school shootings do those people have today? Did they boo those? And then it came back with like, you colonizing toothless. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Why am I mentioning all these? This is nuts. So I had all these people like, oh, you didn't respond to my tweet about the Raiders Chargers game. Yeah, I can't. I had to turn my phone off in the middle of the night because it was dying. It was nuts.